Welcome, this is Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Vincent Chen, and it is Tuesday, August 16th. For my guest today, I am really excited to welcome Fool.com contributor and senior consumer retail specialist, Adam Levine Weinberg, who is joining us from Chicago via Skype, but not for long, because he's actually coming to uh, you know, Full HQ's home here in Alexandria next week. I just found that out. But how's everything going, Adam? Great. Uh, so, Great to be on the show. Yeah, I'm really happy to have you here. And I know it's been a little bit of time since we last had you on Industry Focus. You know, I've taken over more of the hosting role from Sean, I think like a month or two now. And really glad to have you on. Hope that you can be a regular contributor, especially, uh, you know, with the news that we are covering for our listeners this week. You know, we had a spate of earnings reported by major department store chains last week, including Nordstrom, JCPenney, Kohl's, and Macy's. And TGX actually just reported this morning before market open. So, these companies have been facing uh, some pretty significant headwinds. I think we can agree, you know, weak retail environment, reduced share of consumer spend, e-commerce, uh, you know, competition. But otherwise, since the earnings, uh, and I noted this when you sent me your notes too, is they've enjoyed a huge surge in the past few days. All four of the stocks I mentioned, again, that's Macy's, Kohl's, Nordstrom, and JCPenney, are up around 20% or more uh, you know, since reporting their earnings. So, Adam, can you give us a rundown of the results and just some insight into what's driving this bullish run for the companies? Yeah, so the department stores are definitely still under pressure, uh, but the trends are improving, and that is what really drove these rallies. Um, just since the market opened on Thursday, you had JCPenney up 23% in the the last three days. That's Thursday, Friday, and Monday. Macy's up 19%, Kohl's up 21%, and Nordstrom up 20%. So pretty similar moves in all uh, four stocks, showing that their, their trends are kind of moving in the same direction. So if you look at uh, Macy's, for instance, comparable store sales, that's sales in stores that have been open for more than a year, are still declining, uh, which is not good. But comp sales were down 2% in the second quarter compared to down 5.6% in the first quarter. So while it wasn't good, it was better than a lot of people had feared. Mm-hmm. And so that was part of the reason why the stock um, started to rally on Thursday. Similar situation at Kohl's, where you had comp sales down 1.8% in the second quarter compared to being down 3.9% in the first quarter. At Nordstrom, you had similar kind of improvement with their full-line comparable store sales down 2.8% compared to down 5.4% in the previous quarter. Um, and at Nordstrom, you actually had an even bigger uh, underlying improvement because they run a very big sale called the anniversary sale, which always happens in the middle of the summer. Um, usually, it's all within their second quarter, but just based on the timing, this year, a week of the sale moved into the third quarter. Um, and that's one of their highest volume periods of the year, um, right up there with Christmas. And so because of that, you didn't have um, as good sales numbers in the second quarter because a lot of that sales got shifted out into the third quarter. The company estimated that they actually would have posted a comp sales increase, um, excluding that factor, which is really pretty impressive um, because Nordstrom had a really good performance in the second quarter last year. Yeah, that's a that's a tough comparison for them already. So the fact they would have been able to post that gain uh, had the timing worked out on the sale, and especially the se- sequential improvement that we're seeing for the the companies you've mentioned so far, it's it, that's pretty impressive. 
Yeah, the one among the, these four retailers that did manage to get a comp sales increase last quarter was JCPenney. Um, comp sales increased 2.2%, which was an, another sequential improvement. Um, they were down 0.4% in Q1. Okay, and what about um, on the bottom line? So the difference here is that um, JCPenney is still unprofitable. Mm-hmm. Um they expect to make a full year profit, but during the first three quarters where you have lower sales volumes, um, they're still losing a little bit of money. So they are improving, but off of a smaller sales base, um, and they are still not really recovered from the problems that they had a few years ago. Um, just for some context, even in a best case scenario, JCPenney is going to end this year with about $13 billion of sales, and 10 years ago they were at $20 billion. So they're still you know, well below their peak. Um, and and really a few years away at best from uh, recovering to be sustainably profitable. Okay, um, so you know, looking at the numbers and you know, just based of this quick rundown that you're able to provide for these four companies, um, it seems like they are kind of moving in the right direction now. Uh, but I noticed just one thing is I mentioned TGX reported this morning. And here, keep in mind that TJX companies definitely considered more of an you know off-price discount retailer, at least relative to a Macy's and a Nordstrom. So, a really quick take from their fiscal second order, quarter earnings was that their net sales growth was up seven percent, and their earnings were up about five percent to eighty-four cents per share. But really stood out to me was their comparable sales growth was four percent. Uh, the stock's actually trading down slightly as of early morning trading, but that's due kind of to guidance for the coming quarter, you know, coming in weaker than expected. So TGX more of a discount competitor, um, and I noted that at Nordstrom, you know, their rack brand segment actually delivered 5.3% comparable sales growth compared to you know the more the core flagship Nordstrom line, but. Do you feel like these off-price chains, you know, are going to be able to continue grabbing market share and doing a little bit better than you know the core department stores that we're talking about today? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, definitely true. You've seen a really strong run at TJX, which is by far the biggest of these off-price chains. Um, I think people were a little disappointed by the four percent comp sales growth because they were at seven percent uh, in the first quarter, mm-hmm. um, and it seemed to some extent that they. Um, go a little bit opposite the department stores. Um, when the department stores are really struggling, um, they the department stores cut back on their inventory orders, uh, and so all of a sudden, all of their suppliers are desperate to move product at really low prices, um, and TJX can step in. That's sort of the the benefit of the off-price business model. They can step in, take that those goods at really low prices, um, get it into stores quickly. Um, and a lot of times it's good merchandise. It's just that the, the department stores aren't seeing the customer traffic that they need to be able to sell that much. Uh, so I expect to see companies like TJX, um, Ross stores, and also the Nordstrom Rack uh, brand, which, as you mentioned, is an off-price uh, version of Nordstrom. I think they're going to continue to gain market share pretty quickly in the coming years um, and, and post pretty steady sales growth uh, just on a brick and mortar basis. Um, some of them are getting a little bit into e-commerce, but that's one of the few retail business models that seems to to be difficult to disrupt um, from an online standpoint. Absolutely, uh, and just for that Nordstrom Rack uh, segment again, something else I just want to highlight is you know if you look in the press release in terms of store counts, 
uh, for Nordstrom's different brands, you know, of their 25 stores that they've opened uh, since this, you know, year ago quarter to now, 22 of them have been rack brand stores. So obviously, they're seeing a lot of strength and success there, and they're really focused on that. But when it comes to store counts and openings and closings, uh, you know, I know Macy's with their earnings, they released a separate release about closings, and for quite a few of their stores, 100. Of its 675 full-on stores, I think they have around 730 uh, total stores. So it's still 15% of the base. Uh, those are happening, uh, I think, in early 2017. But uh, what's the story there? Yeah. So Macy's did announce that they are planning to close about 100 stores, and this is after they already closed uh, 36 just this spring. So they are really moving very aggressively to reduce the store count. Um, and from closing about 100 of their full-line Macy's stores, they do expect to lose about a billion dollars in annual sales. Um, and that's a net of sales that they can recapture in other nearby stores and also through their online business. Um, the, the company's incoming CEO stated that a lot of the stores that they're closing are still profitable, but they've been facing uh, long-term declines in sales productivity and in earnings, and so they can kind of see where things are going. Um, and oftentimes, for a department store, you get to a point where you really need to, to decide if you're going to invest a lot of money to freshen the stores, make them look better, um, bring in new merchandise, maybe reconfigure the space, and that's pretty expensive, uh, or just give up and put your money somewhere else. And that's kind of what Macy's has decided to do. Um, in some cases, they are closing stores where the, the real estate is really valuable. So there are some stores that are actually performing very well, but um, they're just too good as a redevelopment opportunity. And one really great example of this uh, is Macy's Men's Store in San Francisco, downtown. Um, right now, they have a massive flagship store in San Francisco that's over 900,000 square feet. And right across the street, they have a smaller men's store, which is about 250,000 square feet. Um, and uh, an article that I saw recently said that uh, sell, sell, selling prices for buildings in the Union Square area have been around 1000 to $2,000 per square foot recently. Um, and if that holds, then Macy's men's store could be worth anywhere from $250 million up to as much as $500 million. Wow. Uh, and while it's making a lot of money, it's not enough to, to justify that opportunity cost. And so Macy's is in the middle of negotiations to sell that store, and they're just gonna move the men's business into the main store. And the fact of the matter is, when you have a store that big, that you know, it's still gonna be over 900,000 square feet, you can, you can downsize without losing a lot of sales volume, um, because you can just take away the least productive space in the store and still, still do really well. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense, um, especially for that specific location you mentioned. Uh, with the real estate prices, that's incredible. Uh, you know, for that space, for them to potentially be able to get two hundred fifty or five hundred million dollars. You know, based on, I guess, you know, where the market, real estate market, ends up going there. But San Francisco is still very strong, um, and overall, you know, there's a hundred stores. The press release mentions as well that in the past six years they've closed 90. So this is obviously a very aggressive, you know, transition for the company. But do you have any concerns at all that this is maybe uh, short-sighted or that the substantial proceeds that even Macy's can generate here from, you know, real estate sales, freeing up capital? Do you think that that flexibility, I guess, they're getting 
is the is the right move? Yes, I think so. There's definitely a risk in that uh, these stores are still making money. So when you close them, um, they're expecting to have some pressure on the bottom line next year. Uh, however, that will be offset by the proceeds they get from selling um, a lot of the real estate that they own um, that are related to these stores, which they won't need anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that over time, their capital is going to be better spent on their top performing stores. Um, they've mentioned that they have stores right now in 49 of the top 50 markets in the United States. And after all of these store closures, they're still going to have a presence in 49 of the top 50 markets. So mainly they're closing stores uh, in regions where they have multiple. And so given that you've seen very long-term decline in mall traffic, um, very significant decline, uh, it's probably worthwhile to concentrate in those top malls, the top performing stores, and really invest in them um, to have the best retail experience that can really compel consumers um, to come out and shop uh, in a, a world where going to the mall is just not automatic anymore. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, with Macy's, they're kind of moving in that direction. It doesn't seem, though, uh, for the other three companies that we're covering, you know, Nordstrom, Kohl's, and JCPenney, does not seem that they're necessarily following uh, the same strategy, or at least as aggressively. You know, any idea, or can you give us a rundown what the, the kind of the strategy these companies are taking? Yeah, I definitely agree. You're not going to see these kind of massive store closures at the other three chains. Um, Kohl's is closing a handful of stores this year, um, but it, it's a much different retailer um, in terms of its real estate positioning. Most of its stores are either in strip malls or they're standalone locations in the suburbs. Um, so their real estate isn't that valuable. It doesn't have much in the way of alternative uses, um, and it's pretty cheap. So stores don't have to... Um, do that well to justify their performance and staying in in the store fleet. Um, and Kohl's is also uh, very focused on using their stores as hubs for shipping uh, online orders and also for uh, picking up online orders. And so Kohl's management has made it clear that they want to keep a big store fleet so that they have that convenience for customers. If you look at JCPenney, um, they're not opening stores, but they're also not really closing stores right now. Um, they've taken a, a different approach. Management team at JCPenney really thinks that they can gain market share uh, over the next few years because Macy's is closing so many stores and also because Sears, which is another one of their big competitors, is really pulling back, uh, in some cases, even more so than Macy's. And given the fact that JCPenney is the only one of these four chains where comparable store sales are rising, it probably doesn't make sense to get rid of stores right now. Uh, you want to see how long you can keep that sales growth going. Um, and then maybe at some point in the future, if the sales growth tails off, then at that point you'd have to decide whether there's too many stores. Um, one of the things that you're you're seeing at, at JCPenney is they're putting in some more, uh, some new categories, particularly in the home department, which they, they hope can drive continued sales momentum in the next few years. And then lastly, at Nordstrom, they've announced one store closure this year. It's a store in downtown San Diego. Uh, They've said that they might close a couple more, but Nordstrom is a much uh, smaller chain than these uh, other retailers. In terms of full-line stores, uh, JCPenney and Kohl's are both up around 1,000. Macy's is a little bit below that, 
Nordstrom has 121 full-line stores. So they they can't close that many without uh, losing their positioning in key markets. And in fact, they're actually planning to open some stores in the next few years um, to take advantage of favorable markets where they have minimal or no presence right now. Okay, that, that makes sense. Um, you know, I've followed Nordstrom for a little bit and known generally, you know, their smaller size kind of changes that dynamic for them. The fact that Macy's is coming off a base of, you know, almost 750 locations gives them a little bit more flexibility. Um, but, you know, I wanted to take a step back a little bit. Uh, you know, we've we touched on their recent earnings, we've touched on, you know, some of the recent news with the closures and kind of that dynamic. But, You've mentioned a few times, I guess, more of the big picture and the the bigger or the higher up context in terms of how these the headwinds that these stores are facing. What do you think that a Macy's or a Kohl's or a JCPenney can do to position itself going forward, or what are they doing to position themselves to kind of you know fight off some of these headwinds and to fight off some of the challenges and return themselves to you know stronger growth and a stronger position overall? Sure. Um, so I'd start with uh, there's sort of three things that are challenges right now for the department stores. The first is just the shift in consumer buying habits towards e-commerce. The second is declining mall traffic. And the third is lower spending on apparel and related categories. People seem to be spending more money on things like home renovations, buying new cars and dining out. So those things don't help department stores as much. Yes. Um, the e-commerce growth um, is uh, a positive and a negative. It's it's good in that uh, all four companies are investing a lot in e-commerce and seeing a lot of growth there. Uh, if you look at Macy's and Nordstrom, they're they're much further ahead. They're getting 20%, in some cases even closer to 25% of their sales online right now. Um, and so that's really a major part of the business and it's a, a key growth driver. Um, They've gotten to that because of a successful focus on um, what's in the business is called omni-channel initiatives. And that's basically, it means that they are trying to make it seamless for customers to shop both in-store and online, um, having the same item assortments um, and using the two uh, parts of their business to work together. Um, Key initiatives around that are being able to ship online orders from stores, being able to ship online orders to stores and uh, keeping good inventory management so that you can allow people to actually buy online and then pick up their their order in the store the same day if the goods are already there. And JCPenney and Kohl's are both, um, they've seen how successful Macy's and Nordstrom have been. And they are are later later in the the process, um, but they are are catching up and they've implemented all of these these key features, and they expect that to help them grow their online sales in the coming years. Um, the problem for all of these companies is that nobody's really figured out how to make online sales as profitable as the in-store sales. Um, Nordstrom has had a lot of trouble in that in particular, and they've talked about actually cutting some items out of their online assortment. Uh, they realized they just couldn't make any money selling these things online. Um, and they were in some cases cannibalizing their in-store business um, in order to build up online sales that ultimately weren't profitable. Um, if you look at um, some of the other companies, um, Kohl's uh, 
has some advantages in that it, like I said before, its stores are not really in malls. They tend to be standalone or in strip malls. Um, and for that reason, it's a little bit protected from some of these trends towards online sales. Um, people still have to go shopping, you know, for groceries and a coal store is more likely to be near the grocery store just based on their real estate positioning. So it's a little more convenient for customers. Um, and as we mentioned before, the off-price business is doing really well. So that's helped Nordstrom because the Nordstrom rack chain, um, it's been, they've invested a lot in, in the past few years, they've roughly doubled the Nordstrom rack store count in the past five years or so. And they have plans for continued growth, um, in the near future. Um, in terms of the merchandise selection where you have, uh, people spending less on apparel, um, that's still a problem for all four chains. They're heavily fo focused on apparel, beauty, shoes, uh, accessories, things like that. Uh, JC Penney amongst the four is being the most aggressive in trying to, uh, broaden its appeal and move its merchandise assortment away from categories that it thinks are not doing as well. Uh, and so one of the, the biggest thing that you've seen there is uh, appliances. JCPenney's in the middle of rolling out appliance sales, refrigerators, dishwashers, washers and dryers, and they're going to put that into about half of their stores. And they're really trying to steal market share from Sears in particular. Um, they share a lot of mall space with Sears. Sears is downsizing. People aren't going to Sears anymore, but the appliance business has really been one of the hallmarks of Sears over the years. And so JCPenney sees an opportunity to move into a new category that could drive a lot of sales. Um, and it's a category where sales have been rising, not falling in the past few years. Um, even Macy's, you've seen some tweaks. Um, they put a few Best Buy branded consumer electronics shops into a handful of stores last fall. They haven't really talked about how that test went. Um, it's not clear if they're going to try to roll it out more broadly this year, but they're definitely interested in bringing some new merchandise categories in um, to try to cushion themselves if apparel sales continue to decline. Okay. Um, sorry. Uh, I just wanted to jump in there really quick because there's two things really that you mentioned that really stood out to me. Uh, of course, there's the e-commerce side. We that's a that's a theme or topic that we've touched. On here with on the consumer goods industry focus quite a few times. Even last week, we were just talking about Walmart making its transition, trying to pivot its strategy with its Jet.com acquisition. You know, for 3.3 billion dollars. Um, but in this case, obviously, uh, these department stores are still uh, you know looking in that direction, hoping to to buoy some of their declining mall traffic, like you mentioned, things along those lines. But also, the diversification is kind of interesting to me. Uh, you know, with TJX companies again, you know, reporting some pretty strong numbers. Uh, relative to the four core department store chains that we're talking about today, and the fact is, you know, they are an off-price apparel retailer, but also they have a lot of home goods. So seeing J.C. Penney kind of branching out with appliances and things beyond what might be considered their core apparel offering, and then Macy's having some of these uh, these Best Buy kind of store within a store concepts, and the fact that I think you know in the press release Macy's mentions that a lot of the proceeds from the store closings, the real estate sales, will be used to kind of test the optimization of the extensive real estate and space that they have within their stores. It's just really interesting to to see that dynamic. So yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, closing out here, I wanted to give you a chance to you know 
to wrap it up with any final thoughts, but also I'd love to get your opinion on who you think is the best position among these four, basically with the strongest prospects for you know maybe midterm or even long term, uh, if you have a take on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, just to wrap up quickly, uh, you're seeing sales declines in a lot of the department stores, uh, with JCPenney being the the lone outlier here. Um, and so, what you're seeing them, the way you're seeing them react is Macy's, as we said, is going to be closing a lot of stores. Um, they're trying to focus on their top performing stores and really reinvesting in the stores that are doing well instead of trying to save the ones that have been going down the tubes. JCPenney is trying to add these new product categories, especially in the home department around appliances. They're also adding um, some flooring, new window treatment sections, furniture, etc. Kohl's is really um, probably making the fewest changes. Um, they're trying to get some better brands in. One thing that we heard about recently was uh, Kohl's struck a deal with Under Armour for their new uh, leisure line. Um, Kohl's has also updated its loyalty program to try to um, bring more customers in and get them to keep coming back. And it's also trying to catch up in digital. And then lastly, Nordstrom. Um, Nordstrom is focusing on building out its off-price brand with Nordstrom Rack stores. Uh, it's also recently introduced a an updated loyalty program. Um, for the first time, you don't need to have a Nordstrom credit card to participate in the loyalty program. And I think this will uh, bring in both a lot of new customers, make them more loyal, and also provide a lot of data that will help Nordstrom better understand its customers and provide them with targeted offers. Um, and I think that um, of these four companies, in the long term, Nordstrom is going to be the best positioned um, the Nordstrom rack chain helps enormously. I think that's a business that's going to continue to grow for a very long time. They, they have toned back their expectations a bit. They had been saying, uh, up until recently that they were going to get to 300 stores by 2020 up from a little over 200. Now they're, they're pushing that back a little bit. Um, they said that they'll have a little fewer than 300, uh, come 2020, but I think that there will ultimately be a lot more store growth after that. Um, aside from that, they have a really strong uh, dot-com business in e-commerce, e and they're still working their way through it philosophically, trying to figure out how it works with their in-store business. But I do think they'll be able to improve the profitability there. And this is a company that's really investing the most in itself. And I think that those investments will pay off over time. Um, it's been a little slower than a lot of investors had hoped, um, but I think that some of their new store investments in Canada, um, an upcoming new store they have in Manhattan, uh, in the long in the long term are going to be huge sales and earnings drivers for them. Um, and right now they're they're actually creating a bit of a drag on earnings, um, and so over the next few years, as those investments start to mature, I think that you'll see better financial results coming out of Nordstrom. And that trend, I think, is sustainable for a long time. Okay, uh, thank you very much, Adam. Uh, you know, that's all the time we have for today. But I really appreciate you joining us. I really look forward to the fact that hopefully, um, you know, you can actually be in studio with me, and we can uh, for, for some of the future industry focus episodes. Yeah, that would be great. 
All right, uh, so that's a wrap for us today, but you can continue the conversation via Twitter at MF Industry Focus or send us any questions or comments via email to industryfocus at fool.com. You can also enjoy the other great podcasts from The Motley Fool by checking out fool.com slash podcast. People on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. Thanks for listening and Fool on.